Welcome to the podcast. I am Agent X, and today we are going to talk about the greatest thing before sliced bread. But before we get started, I want to remind you to uh, be sure to subscribe on uh, iTunes, follow us on uh, Twitter at Bad Idea Radio, and uh, find uh, show notes on our website, uh, badidearadio.com. And let's get started. What got me thinking about uh, sliced bread, other than the fact that sliced bread is awesome, is that there is a bill pending in the Missouri State Legislature that would make July 7th of every year Missouri Sliced Bread Day. Uh, I know what you're thinking. You're, you're thinking, what's so special about the way Missouri slices bread? The answer is absolutely nothing. But the reason the Missouri legislature wants to make July 7th Missouri Sliced Bread Day is that Missouri was the first state to sell sliced bread. On July 7th, 1928, 90 years ago this summer, the Chillicothe Bread Company in Chillicothe, Missouri, became the first bakery in the country to sell sliced bread. Bread isn't new. Uh, the first leavened breads were invented almost 7,000 years ago. And people have been cutting bread into slices as long as there have been, you know, sharp things to cut with. But until July 7th, 1928, by and large, you could not go to the bakery and buy it sliced. If you bought a loaf of bread, you bought the whole loaf. It came uncut. And that's because cutting bread by hand was a hassle. Even if you had a good bread knife, it takes time, and bakers didn't want the expense of paying someone to stand there all day and cut bread. It was just cheaper to bake it, sell it, and let the buyer cut it as thick or as thin as they wanted. There was also the question of keeping the bread fresh. Uh, Bakers, and this is true, bakers believed that sliced bread would dry out too quickly. It would get stale. Uh, at home or at the bakery, that's not really a problem. If you if you cut off a slice of bread and the end gets a little dry, you just make a thin slice and then you cut the fresh bread behind it. Uh, so two reasons. Sliced bread wasn't a thing until 1928. The cost and mostly the freshness. And this is where a man named Otto Rowetter comes in. Otto Rowetter was the man who invented the bread slicing machine. Uh, the Chillicothe, Missouri newspaper, the Chillicothe News, summed it up nicely. They said the bread slicing machine was an invention that no one knew they needed. Uh, there's a link to the article in the show notes on our website, howdidthat.com. According to the paper, slicing bread was Otto Rowetter's hobby and side hustle. He owned a jewelry store in St. Joseph, Missouri, but he spent years designing and perfecting a bread slicing machine. And then in 1915, Otto Rowetter got sick. He got pneumonia. The doctor said it was pneumonia, and they said he had only a year to live. So Otto thought, if I'm going to make this bread slicing machine, it's now or never. So he sold his jewelry business and committed himself to finding the perfect way to slice bread. 
Now, I don't want you to worry. Otto's doctors were wrong. Uh, he got better. And by 1918, he had saved enough money and arranged for a factory in Monmouth, Illinois, to finally make his bread slicing machine. He was ready to conquer the world one slice at a time. But, there's always a but, but the factory burned down. Otto's blueprints were destroyed. His dreams were dashed. It was a huge setback. And it would take him 10 years until 1928 to scrape up enough money to take another shot at building and marketing his bread slicing machine. This is what brings us back to Chillicothe, Missouri. Otto Rowetter had already done business with the Chillicothe Baking Company. A couple of years earlier, Otto and Frank Bench, who owned the bakery, had gone in together and designed a new kind of baking rack. They'd even gotten a patent on it. So Frank Bench ordered one of Otto Rowetter's slicing machines. It's, it's hard to imagine today what a big deal this was. They took out an ad in the local paper. The ad said, a fine loaf sold a better way. And there were even instructions explaining how to use sliced bread. Four steps. Number one. I'm not making this up. This is directly from the ad. Number one, open the wrapper on one end. Do not tear off. Two, pull out pin. Otto's plan called for two pins, one on each end of the loaf, holding the slices together so they wouldn't dry out, kind of like a double shish kebab. Pull out pin. The ad says the loaf still held together by the pin on the other end. Number three, remove as many slices as desired. Number four, fold wrapper back over open end of loaf. That's it. That was the secret to using sliced bread. The other interesting thing about this ad, which ran on July 6th, 1928, is that it answered the question everyone has wondered at one point. What was the greatest thing before sliced bread? Here's what the ad says. Announcing the greatest forward step in the baking industry since bread was wrapped. There's your answer. The greatest thing before sliced bread was wrapped bread. It's hard to believe, sitting here in the 21st century, that wrapped bread was ever really a big deal. But around the turn of the last century, there was something close to a panic over the safety of people's food. And for good reason. Food was nasty. There were all kinds of foodborne diseases like cholera, typhoid, and botulism. And these diseases were truly democratic. They did not discriminate by class or race. There's a really neat book that talks about all this. It's called White Bread, A Social History of the Store-Bought Loaf, and it's by Aaron Bobro Strain, and there's a link to it in the show notes. Around the turn of the last century, most bakeries were pretty shady. Bakers also had a lot of competition, so they cut corners to save money and boost profits. They used the cheapest flour they could find, and they cut it with everything from chalk and plaster of Paris 
to ground bones. You might have read a book in school called The Jungle by Upton Sinclair. The Jungle was a book about the plight of immigrant workers in the country's meatpacking plants. Upton Sinclair's goal in writing the book was to undermine capitalism and promote socialism. But people were freaked out by his descriptions of how meat was being processed. Here's one example, and I'll tell you right now, it's pretty gross. Okay, there were rats in the factories, and workers would catch them, and they would throw the rats into the meat processors along with everything else. It was pretty disgusting. People were so upset by the jungle that Congress cracked down and passed legislation to ensure that the meatpacking plants were sanitary and that the meat was unadulterated. Well, as bad as the meatpacking plants were, bakeries could be worse. Chicago's chief sanitary inspector said conditions in some of the city's bakery were as bad as those in the worst meatpacking plants. So bakeries had to clean up their act. But people weren't just worried about what went into the bread. They were worried about how bread was handled once it came out of the oven. Now this is where the wrapping comes in. There was a lot of discussion in the scholarly journals of the time about the best way to wrap bread. The American Journal on Public Health in 1914 had a paper that determined that the best way to wrap bread was waxed paper as opposed to just plain paper, porous paper. The wax paper did a better job of keeping out uh, bacteria. And while I was researching this, I also found a, a booklet publication from the Food Research Institute at Stanford University from 1923. It was called Stale Bread Loss as a Problem in the Baking Industry. They said that wrapping bread helps keep it fresh longer. I know. But this was groundbreaking research at the time. So in the 19-teens in 1920s, wrapping bread became a thing. In 1928, sliced bread became a thing. And all was right with the world until Hitler. World War II. We were fighting on two fronts, Europe and the Pacific. Everyone had to make sacrifices. There was rationing. The government put a 10% increase on flour prices. And in 1943... A bureaucrat named Claude Wickard, W-I-C-K-A-R-D, he held the position of food administrator. He imposed a ban on sliced bread. According to the New York Times, the ready-sliced loaf must have a heavier wrapping than an unsliced one if it is not to dry out. This was a big deal because people could not afford to waste a loaf of bread. This went over about as well as you would expect. New York City Mayor Fiorello LaGuardia, they named an airport after him. Mayor LaGuardia suggested that bakeries that had their own slicing machines should be allowed to keep using them. And a woman wrote a letter to the editor of the New York Times that ran on January 26th. She said, quote, I should like to let you know how important 
sliced bread is to the morale and saneness of a household. My husband and four children are all in a rush during and after breakfast. Without ready sliced bread, I must do the slicing for toast. Two pieces for each, that's ten. And for lunches, I must cut by hand at least twenty slices for two sandwiches apiece. Afterward, I make my own toast. Twenty-two slices of bread to be cut in a hurry. The government held firm. January 26th, the New York area supervisor of the Food Distribution Administration warned bakeries, delis, and other stores that were continuing to slice bread to stop, saying that to protect the cooperating bakeries against the unfair competition of those who continue to slice their own bread, we are prepared to take stern measures if necessary. The ban lasted a little less than two months. On March 8, 1943, the order was rescinded with these words from Wickard. He said that the order prohibiting the slicing of bread was aimed at affecting economies in the manufacture of bread and the use of paper. Our experience with the order, however, leads us to believe that the savings are not as much as we expected, and the War Production Board tells us that sufficient wax paper to wrap sliced bread for four months is in the hands of paper processors and the baking industry. That's the story of sliced bread and how it got that way. Uh, Thanks for listening. I am Agent X. Be sure to subscribe. We are on iTunes, SoundCloud, and uh, wherever else fine podcasts are sold. Follow us on Twitter at Bad Idea Radio. And check out our website, badidearadio.com. 